The one God to whom worship is due is in the middle. You should worship only one God. The other gods are unimportant. Abraxas is to be feared. Therefore, it was a deliverance when he separated himself from me. You do not need to seek him. He will find you just like arrows. He is the god of the cosmos, extremely powerful and fearful. He is the creative drive, form and formation. Just as much matter and force, therefore he is above all the light and dark gods. He tears souls and casts them into procreation. He is the created and creative. He is the god who always renews himself. In days and months and years, in human life and ages and people, in the living, in heavenly bodies he compels. He is unsparing. If you worship him, you increase his power over you. Thereby it becomes unbearable. You will have a dreadful trouble getting clear of him. The more you free yourself from him, the more you approach death, since he is the life of the universe, but he is also universal death. Therefore you fall victim to him again, not in life, but in dying. So remember him. Do not worship him. But also do not imagine that you can flee him, as he is all around you. You must be in the middle of life, surrounded by death on all sides, stretched out like one crucified, you hanging him, the fearful, the overpowering. But you have in you the one God, the wonderful, beautiful, kind, the solitary, star-like and moving, he who is older and wiser than the Father, he who has a safe hand who leads you among all the darkness and death scares of dreadful Abraxas. He gives you joy and peace. He is beyond death and beyond what is subject to change. He is no servant and no friend of Abraxas. This one God is kind, the loving, the leading, the healing. To him, all your love and worship is due. To him, you should pray. You are one with him. He is near you, nearer than your soul. Welcome to The Alchemical Mind. Now, the short passage that I just read from is from one of Carl Jung's black books. If you've never read any Jung, I highly recommend it. The red book has been around for, I don't know, about 10 or 15 years since it's been published. And recently, we had a publication of the black books. So if you're a fan of Jung, highly recommend it. If you never read it, highly recommend it. Go check it out. What does this have to do with this episode? So this is going to be a, a different episode than what I normally do. I, uh, of course, have been on hiatus for the entire month of uh, January, uh, all of 2021, I guess you could say. The last episode that I put out was put out uh, at the beginning of the year, but was recorded previously. So it's been uh, been about a month and a half or so since I've recorded an episode for the podcast. And so I want to talk about that a little bit and how it's going to impact both the podcast and myself, because I've I've learned a lot about myself over the uh, the past month in particular, and uh, and I want to talk about that. This is a very personal episode, so if this is not the kind of thing that maybe you want to hear, that's fine. But uh, I've I've come to realize certain things. Uh, one thing that I've always talked about on the podcast is having the ability to learn and grow and better yourself each and every day. And that is no exception. Uh, in fact, I think I may have learned more about myself in the past month than I have over the past uh, you know, roughly three years since I've really, really gotten deep into this journey of, I guess we can say enlightenment, if you will, whatever term you want to use. And, uh, you know, of course, as I mentioned on the podcast before, this has been an, an ongoing process for me over the last 20 years or so. I've uh, I've dabbled into many different spiritual beliefs and, and philosophical beliefs, and uh, I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm truly at a place where I feel at ease. And this is a uh, this is kind of weird thing to say because I've I've talked a lot about this since I began the show uh, roughly in uh, in the middle of last year. But I really have learned more in this period than I have in in all my life, and and to me that's incredible. And uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna use some terminology, some words that I don't really don't use on the podcast. But I feel confident enough in, in using these words now that uh, that I can maybe explain a little better what has been going on. So uh, this is kind of hit me all of a sudden. You can deem this kind of a, a resurgence from a dark night of the soul, if you will. Uh, you know, I don't feel like I've 
truly been in a darker place as I've been this particular year in my entire life. And I thought that through all my reading and all my practices, uh, you know, the mindfulness meditation, uh, using psychedelics, all, all this kind of stuff that I normally talk about on the podcast, all the reading that I do, all the topics that I cover, I I feel like I'm I'm really at a place now where I understand. And that's uh, that's hard for me to say, even now. Because one thing that I've always espoused is never be content with the level of knowledge that you possess about yourself and the divine. And uh, and I feel like I, I'm inching closer and closer to a good and full understanding. And, and I feel like a lot of the things that I've talked about where I thought that I knew them, I thought that I believed them and, and understood them, I now understand them in, in a different level. And the weird thing is that I don't feel any more special. In fact, I feel, I guess maybe the right term is just more mundane, if you will. And that's that's very odd, very odd. I want to talk a little bit about what happened in, in the past month, because I think that's kind of the key to understanding why I picked this particular passage from Jung's Black Book to begin this episode. And, and that'll lead us into where we're going to go from here, because I think that's what's really important. One thing that I've realized is that the podcast for me has always been about a, a quest for knowledge of gnosis. And I've talked about gnosis very in depth. I did, you know, a 10, 12 part series on Gnosticism. And uh, and I want to make sure that I preface this whole thing by saying it doesn't mean that now I believe in uh, you know Yahweh or Jehovah or anything like that. That's not what it is. But But it does give me a new way of looking at things that I didn't realize. And and I think one thing that's important to do when you're going into this kind of work is realizing when you were wrong. And I think in many regards, the practices and the beliefs that I held on very dearly to were not wrong, but they were partially misguided. And so what I want to do from this episode on is kind of reinterpret some of the things that I've mentioned in light of the I guess, new information that I've gathered about myself and the workings of the universe. Again, I'm not saying I'm special. There's none of that. There's no, we're not talking about prophecy or being chosen or anything like that. So don't get the wrong idea before we continue. But I do think it's important to reinterpret this. And this is something that you should do on an everyday basis when you come upon new information. Now, when the year began, I thought I was in a great place. I really, truly did. I thought I was in a great place in my life. Sure, there were some things that weren't particularly, we'll say, good, uh, in particular with my work situation, and that led to several struggles with my personal relationships, uh, in particular with my wife. There was a lot of struggle going on there. As a result of that, I feel like, you know, even though I've talked a little bit about uh, me talking to my dad and, uh, you know, being honest with him about my feelings and beliefs, and, and with my wife, and I thought that put me in a better place, I now understand that that was only partially true, that I hadn't completed the process of actually understanding that information. Now, I'm not saying I understand it now completely. Of course not. It'd be foolish to say such a thing. But I do feel like now I'm in a better place because now I feel like I've gone from a place of, and I did an episode on this sometime at the end of last year, a place of going from Believing something and believing very fervently, sometimes having deep, deep faith that certain things were true, into finally getting into the realm of gnosis, of knowing something to be true. And the first thing that I'll mention very briefly, because I think it's one of the most important things that has changed for me, is my belief in God. And like I said, this is not a, a particular deity. This is not a Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever, Apollo, Zeus, any of these other guys, okay? This is a belief in there actually being a divine entity of some sort. Now, I'm not going to go into specifics of that. I think that's a very personal thing. And, you know, one thing that I try to always do on this podcast is go over ideas and explain them as best as I can and not impart my own personal beliefs on you guys listening, because I think everyone's journey is different. You may use different names for things, 
And so that's up to you to figure out. It's not up to me. But, uh, you know, I was I was I thought I was in a good place. And then certain things happened in my life uh, over the course of a couple days, very, very quickly, very quickly. And they gave me a an unbearable feeling of anxiety, of loneliness, of fear. And I didn't really know how to cope with it. And I tried to use the techniques that I've been using for a couple years now, and some of the techniques that I've developed kind of my own personal take on over the last few years. And they, they just were not cutting it for me. They were not cutting it. And of course, that simply made me feel worse. It was like this feeling of dread that at any moment that I did anything, every possible thing that could go wrong would go wrong. And I remember one Monday morning, I went to this new job that I was starting, and this feeling really overtook me. And as I'm driving to this place, my truck begins to overheat, and I just didn't know what to do. I called a family member over. They kind of helped me get the truck taken care of. I had to replace the water pump in a parking lot. It was a disaster, but, uh, but I got it done. But I felt this thing where I said to myself, my God, I just, I'm not doing this right. I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm, I feel completely lost. And that's a feeling that I hadn't felt, for one, in years. But two, I had not felt this extreme level ever in my life. And it made me feel worse and worse and worse. In fact, I felt so bad, I, my whole body became cold. I couldn't feel my legs. And, uh, and I said, I got to get out of here. And that's what I did. I drove out to one of my favorite hiking spots. And, uh, and I spent a couple of days in the woods by myself. Actually, the first night I ended up meeting some, some interesting guys that they were, uh, they were doing some winter hiking and uh, ended up camping out with them that first night. But, uh, but I spent some time basically alone in the woods. I, uh, I hiked, uh, I don't even know what it was. I probably did about 26 miles uh, up and down several mountains over those course of time. And on the, uh, on the final day, it just, uh, it kind of hit me. And I felt something inside me. I mean, if you want to call it a voice, that's fine. I didn't hear a voice in my head. But I felt this feeling say to me, you're not alone. You're not alone. You need to rely on the people that love you. And that made me feel immediately better about the whole situation. Immediately better. Now, of course, if you want to deal in the realm of Jung, he would call this maybe the shadow talking or the subconscious talking. If you wanted to dive into this from a religious perspective, maybe it's, uh, it's some, some divine entity talking to me. Um, but it really put me at ease. And so I hiked my way back to my truck, and, uh, and I called my dad, and I explained to him the situation. And, uh, and he said to me, well, if you need to come stay with me, come stay with me. And so I did. So I drove two hours to my dad's house and, uh, and ended up spending most of January at my dad's. And uh, you know, the first couple of days were, were very tough. I was still trying to clear myself of all this, uh, we'll say, bad juju, if you will. And, uh, and finally, after three days there, he asked me what was going on because I, I just really couldn't cope. I, I couldn't talk. I, I felt anxious all the time. Every time he would try to get me to open up about things, I would just start crying, and, uh, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to express what I felt. And that's also tough for me because I've always been the person that if you ask me something directly, I have no problem telling you my direct feelings. But there are, of course, a lot of times where I would keep those feelings kind of very close-guarded, right? Either not to make somebody angry, not to disappoint them, and... You know, this is something that I've worked on for many years and something that I began to be successful at last year. And that's why I did those two episodes, being honest with yourself, being honest with others. And I felt like the problem was I was being honest with others, but I was not being honest, truly honest with myself. I wasn't being truly honest about the things that I really felt, that I really believed, and it put me in a bad place. And so he and I talked for a couple of hours, and uh, and I felt relief. I was very honest about my feelings, about the, the dire feeling of, of depression 
uh, and I'll be perfectly honest, almost brinking on suicidal that I felt in the week prior. And he gave me his perspective on things. He shared things with me in the way that he knows best. I've, I've mentioned before, my dad is, is a very devout Christian. And, uh, you know, they go to church two or three times a week. And, uh, and he shared his perspective on things for me in the way that he understood them. And in some ways, he explained them to me with an openness that I had never heard from anybody because I never had to ask for this kind of advice from anybody either. And, uh, you know, the following day, we talked again, uh, this time with, with my stepmom, with his wife, and she gave me her perspective. And, uh, you know, my dad's very devout. She is extremely devout. And, and I loved it about her. I, I actually, you know, my, my dad and her have been married for know, about 12 years, I think. And in that time, uh, number one, I, I did not – I spent more time with her, developing a relationship with her over this, you know, three weeks that I was there than I did in the 12 years prior. And, and that, of course, put – things into perspective for me, that maybe I've been disregarding certain things about what it is to be human, about the human experience, in light of becoming a better me. And <laughs> I can't become a better me without cultivating those feelings. You know, Rumi has a, a fantastic quote. You guys know I love Rumi. Um, you know, he, he's got a lot of, of quotes about uh, leaving home and coming back, right? One is something to the effect of, uh, you know, you have to leave home in order to realize that the thing that you've been seeking the whole time has been there all along. And then you can find joy in being at home. And maybe I was missing some of that. But one that really struck me is a slightly different take on, on the same quote. And he says, when setting out on a journey, do not seek advice from someone who never left home. And this really struck me. This really struck me. I, I often look to Rumi quotes because, you know, even though he's a, a Sufi mystic, I don't feel like mystics are necessarily invoking, I guess you could say, the, the language and belief system of the religion or religious belief system, we'll say, that the, the mystical sect belongs to. And so, of course, you know, the Sufis are... Muslim mystics, and they do use the name of Allah and, and that terminology. But there's something about the mystical aspect of any religion, and we're going to get really deep into Christian mysticism very soon. I'll, I'll get to that in a few. But there's something about the, the mystical sects that really boil it down to the core. And, and for me, in this quote, Rumi really boils it down to the core. Because part of what I've tried to do on this podcast is present new ideas that some of you may not be familiar with. And I know some of you guys love when I do that stuff. Uh, you know, I get a lot of emails saying, hey, I had no idea. Will you tackle this particular subject? Or can you talk about this belief system? Because I don't know anything about it. And, uh, and that's great. But, uh, but there's something about this quote of not seeking advice from someone who's never left home. And, you know, my dad didn't quite go through the dark night of the soul experience that I've gone through. He had his own different way of looking at it, and he's had his own various different struggles. But a lot of times we go through these experiences that, uh, you know, are tough. And, and for me, this was a very tough experience. I've had to work in a lot of things with my wife as well. And, uh, and we had several talks over my time at my dad's. And, and I feel like now she and I are back to being in a good place as well. There's a, uh, there's a story that a speaker, and I can't remember who it is, talks about often. Um, you know what? I do remember who it is. It's the, the guy that wrote uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks about his experience of, of finding his financial coach, I guess, when he was very young, right? Like 10 or 11 or something like that. And, uh, and talking to him about how to become rich and his... I believe it was his dad's friend that was coaching him. He said, think about a, a teacher, right? You go to school, you have a teacher that teach you about history, about English, about writing, about whatever, because that's their profession, right? They go to school to learn about this thing. But how much more can you learn from someone that's actually been through the experience? Because see, when you go to college, let's say, and you want to be a, an accounting major, right? You want to be an accountant when you graduate, 
Uh, what you do is you go to school and you learn from an accounting teacher. But the accounting teacher is not an accountant. The accounting teacher is just somebody that studied for many years about accounting. And of course, they might know all the ins and outs, but they might not be, we'll say, well-versed in some of the specifics and the day-to-day -day stuff of being an accountant. They're not an accountant. They're a teacher of accounting. And so for me, what this quote from Rumi is saying is when you try to find advice from whoever about a particular problem that you're having, you don't necessarily need to go to your accounting teacher to ask an accounting question. Go find an accountant. In regards to kind of the overall theme of this episode is basically that now I feel like an accountant, not an experienced accountant, not a master accountant. Right? I'm not working for a, a you know top 100 financial company, whatever it might be. But I feel like some of the things that I've gone through have given me the experience to talk about these things in a different way. And so by doing that, I have to reassess my own belief system, my own practices in light of the new information that I gathered. And one thing that I gathered is something that I often shy away from because, again, I try not to make this a religious podcast. I want this to be about spirituality and philosophy and understanding those things. But the crazy thing is that now I feel truly, truly feel and know that there is a divine presence everywhere. And not in the non-dualistic way that I normally talk about it, where you know, you're it, right? You're God, you're a part of God. God is everywhere. So God is in all things. Not just saying those words, but in actually understanding what they mean and actually having a, a direct personal relationship with something other, something bigger, something higher, something more powerful, more better knowing, more compassionate, more loving. And this is why I chose this quote from Jung. I guess it's not a quote, it's rather lengthy for a quote, it's a passage. But why I chose it, because what he's talking about here is the difference between Abraxas and the God above God. And if these terms don't mean much to you, I'll go over them real quickly, but uh, go back and listen to my very lengthy series on, on Gnosticism. Where the Gnostics believe that the God of the Bible, of the Old Testament, was, of course, a god, a divine entity, with great power, but he was not the true god. He was not the one god. There was a god above that god that actually created all of existence. And the god of the Bible was the god that just created the material world. Okay, So he's still god, he's still powerful, he's still all-knowing, but he's below the one true god. And as a result of that, he feels like he's all-powerful and needs to be feared. And for some sects in Gnosticism, the figure would be Abraxas, the chicken-headed god. Look Abraxas up. It's a very interesting figure, right? He's got the chicken head and the human body. He's got snakes for legs. He's holding a spear and a shield. A very interesting character. And you'll find similar deities around the same time from other Near Eastern religious groups. But the one true god does not have these images because he's beyond image, beyond form. Beyond life, beyond death, beyond knowing, beyond unknowing, beyond being, beyond non-being. That's the one true God that Jung is talking about here. Jung had a very, you know, the, I think the reason why I feel so drawn to Jung is in some regards, I, I found my own personal experience to be somewhat similar to what Jung experienced. And again, if you're not familiar with the history, go look it up because he's a fascinating character. He's not just this guy that created a branch of psychology. He's not just the guy that uh, kind of grew up with Freud to create this, this field of science. And then maybe they had it falling apart because Jung went a slightly more spiritual direction, if you will. Freud was very much scientific, very much to facts and the material realm. And Jung really had all these experiences that he wrote about in this uh, book that came out in, in 1916. Uh, that's kind of when some of the big experiences were coming out. These are not published books. These are journals, personal journals. And you can find them. You can even go at archive.org and see them in, in the original handwriting because they were all handwritten notes, handwritten books. And he had all these experiences that were very mystical in nature. He was hearing voices. He was seeing visions of dead people things trying to attack him and suck his blood. He would hear entities talking to him. He would have 
uh, personal messengers guide him through these mystical realms that are very similar in many regards to what you might experience during a psychedelic trip or some other mystical experience. And he wrote all these things down. And this was the basis for a lot of his work, in particular with the work on the shadow, so the shadow self, shadow work, on the anima and the animus, this uh, soul-like thing that lives within us. All that stemmed from these mystical experiences that he was having. And of course, that's something that I'm very drawn to because I, I like to find the commonality between the, the logical and scientific, something you can experiment on and reproduce and find answers to, and the less tangible that comes from a religious experience. You know, I've hinted at some things. If you want to go listen to episode 25 is when I discussed one of my big mystical experiences. I didn't go super in length, even though the episode's, you know, two hours long. I uh, There was just not enough time for one episode to go into all the details. But I briefly went over my own personal mystical experience. And, you know, one thing that I don't talk about on the podcast is subsequent things that have happened over the past several years. Um, not because... Um, not because I don't want to talk about them, but because in some regards, I'm very conscientious about the information that I want to share. And I feel like some of the things that I personally experienced, uh, some may find completely ludicrous and ridiculous. And there's plenty of that on social media and on podcasts and on YouTube. So I don't want to add to that because I don't want to talk about these things if I don't truly understand them. And, you know, it took me almost three years to understand that one experience. It might take me many, many more to understand some of the others. And one of the last major ones that I had was I had a, a mystical experience a couple of days before I had this mental breakdown. And I'm still trying to understand that particular experience as well. And that's why I haven't shared it. Now, not everyone's going to have these experiences, and that's fine. Nor would I recommend that you seek these experiences because, you see, I think that's been part of the problem for me personally is that I was seeking to embed myself into all these different practices and these different ways of finding about myself, about my shadow, about what the divine is, and not spending enough time trying to understand what each of the experiences meant and what they really entailed and what they really said to me. And so as a result of this hiatus that I had, I, I've kind of changed my opinion on a lot of things, or at least maybe decided to go deeper into my opinion on certain things. For example, I've talked uh, sometimes about the fascination that I've had with archaeology. I, I love that stuff. I love ancient cultures, obviously. I talk about them quite a bit on the podcast. But one thing that I've realized is some of that stuff doesn't matter. You know, there's, there's channels, for example, on YouTube dedicated to figuring out how the periods were built. Who cares? How does that change your life? Is it because you have this need to know and you'll never know? Well, guess what? You're never going to know unless you build a time machine and go back and see these people build the pyramids or aliens or giants or dwarves, gods, whoever built them. I would say people built them. Unless you do that, you'll never find out. And that's why there's Dozens, maybe hundreds of theories on why this stuff happens. Who cares? Now, of course, some of you might be into that stuff. That's fine. Some of you might be doing a podcast about it. That's also great. I'm not saying quit doing that kind of thing. I'm saying take a look and see how much of that really matters. Does it matter that Terrence McKenna saw machine elves and I've never seen a machine elf in my life? No. Does it matter that I don't know who built the pyramids? No. Does it matter that uh, Hermes Trismegistus was a real character? No. But what matters, and I finally know this, and not just kind of understand it and talk about it, is that the only thing that really matters is your direct personal experience right now. What is it that you're experiencing right now? That's what matters. Now what happens in five minutes, now what happened five minutes ago, now what's going to happen next week or in 10 years or in 100 years. Is the U.S. going to collapse? Are the Republicans going to take over the Congress again? Who cares? Does that really matter to you? Does it matter to you? Why is that part of your identity? And see, when you have that, you're freed. You're freed from the chicken-headed god of Braxis. That's how you free yourself. Because it's not part of you anymore. It's just a thing that is. 
just like you are a thing that is. And maybe sometimes it's not. <laughs> and so after I had these conversations with my dad and my stepmom, I, I began to see things in a different way because the perspective they gave me was slightly new to me. Now, I'll, I'll say that they belong to a Pentecostal church. I had never been to a Pentecostal church in my life. I always thought it would be kind of this crazy thing. And, uh, you know, in some regards it was, I mean, it's definitely not for me. Okay? If you're a Pentecostal, that's cool. You worship however you want to worship. I know it's not for me because the way that I feel I would like to worship is not the way that they worship. But it wasn't as crazy as I thought it would be. I thought I would go there, and yes, I did because they invited me. And I figured, why not? Right? I'm here. I'm looking for answers. Maybe if I go here, there'll be some answers. And even if there's not, maybe I'll learn something new from this new and different perspective. And uh, and so I went. And uh, you know they're they're very loud uh, when they preach, and that's fine. Some people like that. Not everybody's like that, but some people like that. Uh, there was you know a little dancing, a little ecstatic dancing. That's cool. That's that's a good way to worship. It's not new either, right? Many cultures do this, where they go into trance-like states through dance and, and singing and humming. There was some of that. There was a lot of jumping up and down. There was very long prayers. There were very loud prayers beforehand. Before the service started, people were you know, chanting to God and asking God for this, that, and the other. That's good. That's the way of worshiping. But I know that's not the way that I need to worship. And see, I hope the key takeaway here is that I'm using a word that I never have used on this podcast ever, and that word is worship. Now, in the passage, Young is talking about the difference between Abraxas and this one true God. And, and for Young, it was Phanis. Uh, for those of you that are, love mythology, Phanis is basically the equivalent of, the, of Dionysus. So we're going we're gonna to be talking about Dionysian cults soon, because uh, I, I find it fascinating. And uh, I'm going to have a different perspective on it. Because one change that I'm making to the podcast is going from simply explaining some of these concepts and letting you make up your own mind uh, into really interpreting things and then letting you make up your own mind. Okay? I don't just want to tell you things. I don't want to just educate. I want to have a conversation. And so the focus on the podcast going forward is going to be much more about hermeneutics than it is about exegesis. Okay? So not just simply explaining things, but interpreting things, translating things. Okay, that's the difference between exegesis and hermeneutics. And, and I hope that'll make an impact on some of you. And, uh, and I feel like that's the place I am in my life right now, where that's what I need to do for myself. Okay? And my interpretation you may not like, and that's fine. I don't expect anybody to agree with anything I say ever on the podcast. That would be ludicrous to think so. Because, see, I don't worship Abraxas, right? The God that I worship doesn't need to be feared. The God that I worship, all, all he simply wants is, is to be loved and for you to love yourself. And, of course, this is kind of when I get to a place where I'm like, well, crap, I've known this all along. I've known this all along. I, I, I'm not a big Bible reader. I have read the Bible many times from, from front to back. So I'm very familiar with, with the Bible. And, and with all the, the works in it, again, I'm not saying I'm converted to Christianity either. I just have a new perspective on how to get into this mystical practice in a new way. How to be excited about the things that I want to know about and learn about and how to better commune with the divine. That's, that's my focus right now. Because I'm telling you, I don't, I've never done this since I left church uh, you know, 20 years ago. Of course, I meditate a lot. I still do. I love meditation, and I love different types of meditation. I love breathing meditation. I love focus meditation. I love just do-nothing meditation, neti-neti. I love all these different practices. But one practice that I now include as part of my daily routine is prayer. I mean, there's no, re- <laughs> there's no other word to say it. It's prayer, okay? Now, again, I'm not saying I'm praying to some you know, bearded man in the sky either. So let's get that correct. But now I feel, I feel the presence of the divine with me always. And that's something that I didn't think I would feel. That's not something that I thought I would feel. But, you know, I, I went to church with, with my dad and my stepmom. 
And and the message that was given that first day that I was there was directly related to the situation that I had put myself into. And of course, that could be a coincidence. It could be synchronicity. It could be one of these things where, uh, you know, it's like um, like the horoscope, right? What's that saying about the clock? A broken clock is right twice a day. Okay, it could be one of these things. Very much possible. And it could be because I was looking for meaning and explanation that I found it in this message, even if the message wasn't for me. And that might be true for one time. But I went with them probably about five or six times in the period that I was there with them over those three weeks. And every single time the message that was given, not not its entirety, of course, and not from everyone, because oftentimes they have multiple people up uh, preaching up front. But every single time there was something in the message that was given or in the words that were read that directly spoke to me about my situation. So once, okay, coincidence. Twice, all right, maybe there's something going on. Three times, four times, five times, and now we're, we're getting to a pattern, right? And this is how science works. You perform an experiment, you get a result. Can you replicate it? Yes. Okay, we're onto something. Can you replicate it again? Yes. All right, this might be it. Let's have somebody else replicate it. Do they get the same result? Yes. All right, that's fact. Okay, now we can agree this is the result of the experiment. And so for me, this was an experiment, and the result of the experiments tell me that this is the case. And so the first time, no big deal, but after, you know, two weeks, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of coincidence going on, and all the stuff that I had broken in my life began to be fixed. And all I had to do was ask, really, truly, honestly ask. And those of you that are longtime listeners know I'm not a big fan of The Secret. Uh, In fact, I think it's uh, mostly BS, mostly baloney. But there is something in the message and the practice. There is something in the message and the practice about truly wanting something in your mind and truly feeling that thing in your heart. And when those things unite to become one single wish, if you will, wish is the wrong word, but we'll say wish, then that thing could become true. Especially if you do the one thing that really has made a difference in my life over the last month, and that is learning to surrender. Learning to surrender. You know, I made some some hints on Twitter about the situation that I was in. I didn't explain anything. And, uh, you know, even now I'm not going very much into depth. But I made some comments and a couple of you said, you need to surrender. And see, I was already learning this through my experience. It was another perfect synchronicity where I think one thing and the experience is guiding me to say, hey, maybe you should look at it this way instead. And then here come total strangers telling me this is what you should do. See, because God works in mysterious ways, right? And so I did. So I've learned to surrender. And the difference, the impact that has made on my life in the past month, I can't even describe it. And so, yes, while I still have my meditation practice and all my other practices that I do on a daily basis, some on a weekly basis, the one thing that has made the most impact in my life is, number one, learning to surrender, that even if I might be it, it works through me and through you. And so (laughs) I pray a lot. I pray in the morning before I do my gratitude meditation. If I'm faced with a decision throughout the day, I take a second and I pray. (laughs) Before bed, I pray. And I give thanks again. And it helps me feel so at ease. Really, truly peace. And not because I did the thing and I can say, oh, attaboy, you did the thing. You did whatever. You did the meditation. You did the breath work. You did the reading, whatever. You did the thinking about the thing. But I feel at peace because I don't feel like I need to do those things. I now know that my doing the thing is not what's making the difference. But my not doing the thing is making the difference where now I can really feel like I can just lay on the river and float downstream and letting it take me where it takes me. Because through my struggles, I realized the reason I was going through these struggles is not because some chicken-headed God was trying to test me, test my faith and make it hard for me. It's that maybe I placed too much emphasis on that and that the one true God 
this Faunus figure. Again, I'm not saying I'm praying to Faunus, so you know, don't get that idea either. But this God above God is just always guiding things along. And what I might want might not be what's in store. It might not be part of the plan. Now, I'll never know what the plan is. See, the difference between before and now is I'm totally okay with not knowing what the plan is. And this is the conversation that I have all the time. Every time I do my prayer, I always make sure that I talk and I say, hey, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the path that I should be taking is. But open doors in the way that leads to me flowing to that plan. And if that plan means that I get into more situations where I, you know, go through these dark places in myself, in my soul, in my mind, in my heart, and so be it. Because see, like Jung is saying, I now really understand that this one God is it's just pure love. Just pure love. And you know, you know what's crazy? Like I said before, it's like you know these things. You think you know these things. But then something happens when now you know it. Because now you've directly experienced it. And, uh, you know, when my wife and I got married almost eight years ago, it would be, uh, be eight years in, uh, in a couple weeks, about two or three weeks, we wrote our own vows. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've, I'm not a religious person, even though that might seem different from, from the way that I'm speaking now. Uh, I, don't think, uh, I'm th- I don't think I'm talking religion. I think I'm talking spirituality, and that's that's what I always talk about. But uh, but we wrote our own vows, and uh, you know, at the time that we met, I uh, I hadn't even stepped in a church in you know at least ten years, uh, if not longer, and uh, and I was trying to find the right words to put into this vow, right? Because uh, you know I've been married before, and uh, you know my first marriage I was I was young and I was stupid and. I made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I'm okay admitting that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the only way to learn is through the mistakes that you make. And and I wanted this to be to start off right, so that I could build on that and and build a life and a future with with this woman that, <laughs> for some reason, chose to marry me. Okay, why I don't know. I still wonder every day. But uh, but but yeah. So so I picked I picked this verse. And this is a popular verse, so you know this is nothing new. Uh, you, you get this in, in a lot of weddings, as I found out after I put this into my vow. Uh, I think my in-laws, maybe, or maybe my dad. I can't remember. Somebody said, "Oh yeah, this, I heard that in such and such as wedding," and I'm like, "Oh well, crap." And I look it up, and apparently it's a popular wedding verse. But uh, but I'm gonna read it anyway, because not only did it apply to the beginning of my marriage. But it really applies to what I now understand as the true nature of God and the way that Jung explained the true nature of God. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, and this is chapter or verse 4 through 7. And it says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And see, this is the direct personal experience that I had through this very dark time that I had in the past month. And see, what I learned, too, is that when I, when I left church and I went on my own path, I felt like, ah, this is all BS. I'm out of here. I don't need any of this crap doesn't mean anything to me. doesn't speak really to me. It's just people will try to put rules into me. Right? That's, that's one thing. I've always had this kind of like punk rock spirit. Uh, I still love punk rock. It's my favorite genre, by the way, in case anyone wants to send me some music recommendations. But I've always had this kind of spirit. And that's, that's what I believe going to church was. It's just, it's all BS. Maybe kind of a control system. I still, in some ways, feel this way about organized institutions. Not so much about the sh- shamanic or, or mystical aspects of religion. And so I left and I was like, hey, whatever. I don't need this crap. And I did my own thing. And I thought I was doing great until, of course, I'm not. And I'm like, well, I'm doing it wrong, so let me do this instead. But see, the whole time what I was missing is, is that connection. Is that connection. And so what I realized is that 
even though I had left God 20 years ago, God never left me. God never left me. That was the realization that changed my life. And so whoever or whatever this thing is, is irrelevant to me. But what I know is that it's there. I know that it's there and it guides me. That's all I need to know. So for some of you longtime listeners, then this might be a weird thing to hear coming out of my mouth. And that's okay. As part of the changes to the podcast, I'm going to be uh, changing number one, the schedule. Uh, you're not going to get uh, you know two or three episodes a week anymore. Uh, it might be uh, once a week or every other week. The episodes uh, will probably end up being longer. So I usually try to keep at uh, you know 30, 45 minutes. Uh, going forward, they may be you know two-hour episodes sometimes. Uh, but uh, but I'm going to take as long as I need to on each episode in order to really help interpret the stuff that I want to talk about. Now, because of that, some of the things that I had planned on doing, I uh, I may not be doing. So, for example, I wanted to do something on, on shamanic traditions and their impact on Buddhism. I'm going to be reworking that a little bit because that's not something that I want to talk about anymore. What I want to talk about more is, uh, is Sufi mystics and, uh, and for sure the, the Kabbalah stuff I'm going to be diving into. But one thing that I really want to get into much, much deeper and probably much sooner than I had planned, I wasn't planning on doing it till April or May, is, uh, is Christian mysticism. So that's kind of going to be the departure in some ways from where the podcast has been. While I'll still be referencing psychedelics, for example, uh, another change for me is that I'm taking a uh, taking a break, I'm taking a, a fast, if you will, from from that aspect of the experience. Uh, not because it's not fun, not because I'm not learning a lot, uh, not because of any of those things, but because I want to not have to rely on anything beyond myself and my direct personal relationship with God uh, in order to find the answers that I feel I seek. And so I'll be taking uh, probably about six months at least off from that particular practice. Uh, it is a practice that I did regularly about every six weeks. Uh, I'll be taking about six months off just to, uh, just to try a new approach and see how that changes things. And of course, it's very useful. I'm not saying you should stop it. But as part of this growing process, I need to, for myself, listen to the silence, right? In silence, it speaks. I always talk about this. In silence, it speaks. And, uh, and I need to do a better job at listening to the silence. And while I enjoy the psychedelic experience, I feel like sometimes there's, uh, there can be some background noise. And when there's background noise, it's kind of tough to hear the silence. So I want to find a way to continue hearing it without involving that in my life. I made some other minor life changes as well. Uh, we don't need to talk about that now. Uh, there's a, a few other things that I'm not going to be doing. Like I, I quit drinking coffee, so caffeine's out of the picture. Um, you know, I'm going to work in the smoking next. But uh, I just want to, I want to always be better. I want to always be better. And, uh, and right now, the way that I feel I need to get better is in my personal connections. Personal connections with, uh, with my family, people that I've disregarded for, uh, for years sometimes. I want to rebuild those relationships and, uh, and focus on, on the relationship that has become really, really integral to my life right now. And that's my direct relationship with the divine. I think that's that's what's most important to me. Uh, and again, this doesn't uh, negate the things that I've talked about over the last uh, whatever many months I've been doing this podcast. Six months, seven months, eight months. It doesn't negate any of it. I'm just learning to reinterpret, retranslate my experiences and the things that I've learned in a new context. And I hope that you guys will stick around for the ride. So we're going to wrap up this episode here. I want to thank you all for listening. I'm not going to plug anything. You guys know where to find me right now. My time on social media is moving forward, continuing to be very limited. I, uh, you know, this is, this goes along with one of those things where like, does it really make a difference? And, uh, and is it nice to connect with listeners? Yes. But I mean, you can email me. So do that instead. Uh, 
and you know I'll I'll be shifting myself into a, a new social media platform. So check out Indra's Web, indrasweb.org. Uh, it was created by uh, Mike from Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape and a few other people. So my social media presence will be moving more to there, uh, but even then it's going to be limited. I, I don't want to spend time on social media because uh, then I can't spend time listening to the silence. I do want to end this episode with a quote from Young because I started with a quote from Young. And Young says... A man who has not passed through the inferno of his passions has never overcome him. And I hope you'll take that into consideration and uh, constantly analyze and look at the way that you lead your life. And are you making a difference? Are you making a difference with those around you, with friends, families, with loved ones, with coworkers, with yourself? Are you being the best human you can be? Or are you just existing are you living or are you just surviving no one ever went to think about that but we will wrap it up here thank you again for listening i'll be back uh, in a week or two and uh, we'll be diving deeper and deeper into this stuff so i hope you enjoy it and i hope you get something new out of it and i hope again you'll come along on this journey so that i can better myself and hopefully you can find your purpose as well as always remember that you are it.